0: How can we, as creative educators and entrepreneurs, find our authentic voice, get real in a world where real is hard to come by, and share our vision, all while making some serious money and keeping it all balanced? Hey, it's Alyssa with the Teacher Hustle Podcast. I'm a teacher, mom to three toddlers, self-proclaimed French fry connoisseur, and a marketing and launch strategist to teachers. I'm answering all your burning questions about starting and growing an online business using your teacher genius. In these podcast meets magazine style episodes, I'll give you simple mindset shifts, business tips, and inspiration to help you turn your passion into an income that makes an impact without being overly complicated. You know that one thing you can't stop talking about? We're going to share it with the world. So grab a cup of coffee and let's bring your wildest ideas to life. This month's podcast interview is maybe my most embarrassing interview yet, only because I was absolutely gushing over Amy McLaren. Uh, This is really, Amy and Stu are really my idols when it comes to entrepreneurship and integrity and passion. I first stumbled across Stu when I very first started out on this journey and I wanted to start a membership. I knew I wanted to have a membership, a community because I was really passionate about community. I didn't know much more than that. I knew I wanted to help teachers and I wanted to have a community and I stumbled on Stu McLaren somehow. And if you are not familiar with Stu, he teaches about memberships and he has this bubbly personality and he's really funny and engaging with his audience, but also super passionate, gives a ton back to nonprofits and just is an all around good person. Somebody that you can tell in a sea of people in the online space who are trying to kind of like, oh, you know, sell you on things and sell you whatever they've got, right? I could tell that Stu was in integrity. And that was what originally drew me to his program. It was the first big investment I made in my business. It was really the thing that propelled me toward creating the membership Teacher Hustle University that is really like my business baby and my favorite community and full of my favorite people. And that has completely changed my life. Now, Stu's wife, Amy, is equally as amazing and also was a teacher and comes from a background in teaching. And now, really, she focuses on her passions, which include her nonprofit organization that she and Stu started called Village Impact, also is passionate about women in entrepreneurship and Airbnb, which is another passion of mine, so I just absolutely admire both Stu and Amy, and you can tell in this interview because at one point I cry, at one point I'm just like completely trying to spill my entire life story and and try to uh, tell them how much they've changed my life, or tell Amy how much they've changed my life. So enjoy my blubbering mess of a podcast podcast episode here. <laughs> I hope it is entertaining. Um, But also Amy just has some really incredible advice for how to follow your passion, even when things are murky, even when your mindset junk gets in the way, um, even when you can't really see where you're going, how do we follow our passion so that we can share our values now, so that we can build relationships now, so that we can be role models for our children now, so that we can live life the way that we want to live it based on our unique set of values you are going to find so much value in this podcast episode and you're going to walk away with some tangible tips to follow your passion this week. So here you go. Without further ado, enjoy. Okay. I am really excited to bring you today's guest. Amy McLaren is a busy mom of two. She splits her time between leading Lady Strength, a growing online community of driven entrepreneurial women, growing an Airbnb business, and being a hands-on CEO of Village Impact, the charity she and her husband, whom you may have heard of, Stu McLaren, the famous, the infamous Stu, (laughs) founded more than a decade ago. Village Impact partners with communities in rural Kenya to provide community-led access to quality education and entrepreneurship opportunities. To date, Village Impact has built 14 schools that deliver education to nearly 5,000 students daily. Amy, I am absolutely thrilled to be chatting with you today. All of that is so admirable, and I can't wait to dig in and find out how all of this came to be.
1: Oh, thank you so much for that introduction. I can't wait to chat.
0: So, can you tell us uh, for those who have not, you know, met you yet, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and a little bit about your journey to where you are now?
1: Yeah, for sure. So, Um, As you heard in the intro, I um, am a multi-passionate entrepreneur. (laughs) I have a few businesses I run, but I want to assure those that are listening, it definitely um, didn't start that way. Um, And yes, so to start off, I am a mom. I have a 10-year-old daughter that I swear is going on 20 some days, which maybe some moms can relate. (laughs) And I have a six-year-old little guy named Sam that we adopted from South Africa when he was one. And then I also am wife to Stu, um, who you heard about it in the intro. We've been married. Oh my goodness. We've been married 15 years. I think 15 next year. Wow. Together like 20, which is like half my life, which (laughs) is crazy that it's even that long. Um, And then we also have a fur, um, I'm a fur baby mom, I guess you people say. We have a a Labradoodle at home too named Callie. So um, in between managing my businesses, I'm a proud wife and love my kids. So, I, like I said, it didn't start that way for me and my three businesses, but I, I definitely do have three passions and my three passions are an impact and giving back. And that's something that has always been a huge part of my life. I grew up in the UK and moved to Canada when I was 10. I know I do not sound British and I wish I did because all my, my family is in the UK. It's just my mom and my dad and my brother and of course my, my in-laws, um, and my extended family, they're here. Um, so I grew up in the UK. I grew up traveling abroad with my family quite a bit, giving back, um, with different organizations with my parents. And then I, I would, I remember that, you know, growing up Christmases, we would have strangers at our table because they had no place to go. We would help in shelters. I would volunteer in the hospital. So it's always giving back and, and loved, um, just helping other people. And that kind of has morphed into what Village Impact is today. And there's a whole story behind that. But that whole giving back has stayed in my life and stayed consistent. And that's what created Village Impact. And then I'm also passionate, as you heard, about um, really being around entrepreneurial women. And that kind of second business, if you will, grew over time. Because as I started Village Impact, I was finding I was I didn't have anybody to talk to. It was kind of lonely. And Stu has been in the online space for years and years and years. So he has a really great network of friends and community. But when I started in that entrepreneurial space, I didn't really know anybody. And it was after my ten years as a teacher that I kind of moved into all this other stuff. And I didn't have anyone to surround myself with. So I invited some local ladies over to my over to my living room, and we chatted, and I started a mastermind, and that has grown over time to what is Lady Strength today, where I, I run a mastermind, and then I also run adventure retreats for women because I'm really big about connecting with other women as you get out of your comfort zone or you go on fun, incredible trips together, and you know grow as an individual. And then that brings me to my latest business, which is my um, real estate business. We've always been involved in real estate as a couple, um, but we have never done short-term rentals. We know long-term rentals, but short-term was new. So we just built a lake house this year that I've put into a luxury Airbnb, and I'm really enjoying it. And again, for me, it's that passion of creating experiences for people. um, And that's kind of like my third love. So. Those are my three big buckets of, you know, giving back and having an impact through my nonprofit, Village Impact. And then my second one where it's, you know, creating experiences for people through our Lady strength community um, and getting out of our comfort zone. And then my third one, again, is the whole like, creating experiences, but through the Airbnb that I have.
0: Oh, my gosh. I love the way that you are talking about how you're multi-passionate, but not in a way that's apologetic, because I think that everybody, when when we know that we're multi-passionate, which many of us are, we apologize for it, but... That's not the case. You should expand and and be open to all of these different passions. And um I also love that you're doing Airbnb because my husband and I are just getting into that as well. That's our next on our vision board. So I have all the questions about that too.
1: Oh, that's so fun. And it's and it's I mean it's like I said, it's those things that have come up now and they were like kind of one started that led to the other one that led to the other one, but they are definitely things I'm passionate about and yeah, we should all be proud, like you said, of what we're passionate about. And it's okay to have multiple passions for sure.
0: Yeah. And can you tell us a little bit? I know that uh, my listeners ears probably perked up a bit to hear that you were a teacher uh, because that we are all in an education background here as listeners of this podcast. So I'm curious about your transition from the classroom. Was there a moment when you you knew you wanted to kind of shift and, and go into the world of entrepreneurship, how did that happen for you?
1: Yeah, so it's funny, because in my book, Passion and Purpose, I, I write about this. And there's quite a few chapters you've um, probably read on it where, you know, that transition for me from teacher to entrepreneur wasn't something that happened overnight. And in this story, I share how, you know, my husband and I would be driving in the car and he would be listening to tapes or CDs at that time, right? totally dating myself but he would be listening to cds and tapes of leadership and entrepreneurship and all of these things and, and then i would say to him oh that is so boring like how are you listening to that and i would be reading my danielle steel books or listening to music on my you know on my well not on my phone at that time because they weren't big but like you know i'm listening to music right on my was it an yeah. ipod or a yeah. What's it so I've been listening to music and I was like, you're like crazy. Right. And I never, it's funny because I never really had that entrepreneurial bug. I did a little bit when I was little and some stories that I share in the book and that, you know, my mom and I chat about it, I did organize summer camps and I did have some type of entrepreneurial spirit but definitely not in my university days at the beginning. And I just used to look at Stu and be like, you're like crazy. And then it was, um, he went on after he got offered this amazing job with a big corporate company and he turned it down after university. Cause that's where we met and we turned, he turned it down and he said, I don't want to work for anyone. And I mean, his parents were like, what are you doing? That's crazy. And you know, I was kind of like, wow, like, are you serious? And he's like, yeah, I'm going to do my own thing. And, as he was building what is now Wish wishlist member years ago, I was teaching. So I went into teaching. I followed my passion of travel, and I ended up in Australia. I did my teacher's college in Australia. I came back to Ontario, um, and I started teaching in um, grade, grade one. Well, not grade one at the beginning, sorry, a grade five class. And I, it was, oh, it was, like, so horrible. Like, I even think about it now, and I feel sick because – I had things thrown at me. I was called, you know, really rude names every day. <laughs> I won't swear on your podcast, but, you know, like all these different names. And, and I hated it. And I remember getting, but coming home just deflated every day. And I remember being there one night in our, you know, in our bedroom, laying down. And I turned over and I looked at all of these books that Stu was reading. And then I looked at my books of like, you know, Daniel Steele, John Gresham, whatever I was reading. And I'm like, there's got to be something like in these books that will be helpful. And I kind of rolled over and I picked up a book and I, that's for me was kind of the start of, you know, reading self-help books or, you know, going into what, what else is possible because I'd always only ever known like going to be a teacher and I'm going to be, you know, I'm going to teach grade one or I'll get into that teaching field. And I didn't really know what was possible outside of that. And I started diving into books Stu and I then had an opportunity to go down to Mississippi and work for an entrepreneur. And that for me really planted seeds and into this whole entrepreneurial world. But it took a while because I then went from, you know, teaching that horrible, horrific grade five class into teaching a grade one community. And I stayed in this grade one for about eight or nine years and, and I, I I enjoyed it, but you know what? I, I liked it, but I didn't love it. And it was towards the end of that time that i kept you know thinking about all the travel i had done as a kid and in my 20s and living with thai families which i loved and living in refugee camps and just having this flexibility of doing all these things which i didn't have when i was teaching and it just it just kept bugging me and i you know i wasn't inspired i wasn't fired up and it it kind of got to a point where you know i started thinking about is this is this it? Like, you know, I've been teaching now for eight years, I, I'm not loving it. Um, and then I began to um feel bad. And maybe some people can relate to this sometimes where you start to feel guilty for what you have and wanting more. And I felt very guilty for having a teaching job because in Canada um teachers are paid very well, they're very well respected. You know, I was making, like, 80000 a year. We were married. We had a, you know, I was. we were trying to have children. And I, I was, you know, I'm like, why, why do I want more? Like, Amy, you should be happy. Like, you know how many people want your job. And you have a beautiful grade one class and, like, all of these things. But I, I sat there for probably, when I look back now, too long because I was, you know, frustrated, but I didn't, I didn't really move. And then I ended up having my daughter Marla. And then that's when I began to take some leaves. I took a part-time leave. I took a full-time leave. I always kind of kept one foot in my teaching job and then dabbled in some other things. Um, and then eventually I left teaching, but I did sit there for a couple of years where I just, you know, felt guilty for wanting more, which we, we both know that you, you should never feel guilty for wanting what you want and wanting to build the life that you want to live. And um, it was a struggle for me for a while, but I, I took little steps um, and acknowledged the feelings that I was having inside and, and started to focus on the possibilities of what could be if I were to leave teaching.
0: I am over here crying. <laughs> I have myself on mute and I've got like tears streaming down. You are just because you're speaking to um, this audience and specifically even to my story. So, so much. The guilt piece is spot on. It's, it's so like
1: real, right? So, real. yeah,
0: we know we're made for more. There's this little inkling inside and I think it hits us at random times when we're teaching and we're kind of in the back and we're like, we know we could take our skills outside of just these four walls of our classroom or there's something good that happens in your classroom and you think, boy, I could do more with this. I There's something more that I could be doing. But then when you step away from the classroom or when you start to even put one foot out the door, which is exactly where I am right now because I'm on my second year of Um, maternity leave, Mm -hmm. you have this guilt. Every time a school bus goes by, I have that guilt. It's like, why didn't I just stick with the normal path? Why am I trying to do anything different? What is with me? Why can't I just follow the mold? But you're following it because you know there's another purpose and you know that um, you have the power to impact. And you in your book, there's this, the section where you are talking about uh, a conversation that you had with Stu when you were in, in Kenya. And I just wanted to read it yeah. to the listeners and then kind of speak about it because I think it ties right in with this whole idea that money and wanting more money specifically is not something to feel guilty about because like you said, you were well-paid. A lot of us um, here in the US are not, not well-paid as teachers. And so we start our entrepreneur journey with the goal of making more impact and because we need the financial freedom and we want that financial freedom but that is where the guilt comes in So you say in your book um, I remember being in Kenya with for the first time with Stu and watching his perception of money change right in front of me. We were standing in the middle of a field it was cold wet and overcast we were chatting with community leaders about teacher salaries. We asked how much a teacher's monthly salary was, and they replied, it's the equivalent of $100 a month. Stu and I looked at each other, and his energy shifted because in that moment, he realized something that would forever change his views about money, business, and life. At the time, I'm sorry, I'm trying not to cry over here. Oh, gosh. At the time, his company wishlist member, a membership software company, sold licenses for roughly $100 per license. That's when Stu put two and two together. He said, if I sell one more license and contribute the money made from that sale to this community, I can fund the full-time salary of a teacher. But then the real light bulb went on when he realized that he wasn't limited to selling or contributing the proceeds from just one sale. What if I sell a whole lot more licenses and contribute them? The more money we make, the more impact we have. Mm -hmm. Just spot on.
1: Absolutely right. And I think we get... um and like also that mindset of you know money being a bad thing when it money is not a bad thing at all like you can do so many amazing things with making money and I think something when I was teaching that really pushed me to move you know past my chapter of teaching was the flexibility to be able to do what I would like to and there's no like I had more ownership on my time and it it came to a point where you know Stu was being asked to speak at events and I wanted to go and I'm like, but I couldn't because I was only allowed summers off and Christmas off and like everything was kind of controlled. Right. And I was just like, but that's, I don't want to do that. I want to get out and I want to do all these other things. So for myself is, you know, the business started to grow a little bit. I, I wanted to, to be out there too. And that was kind of one of the final kind of straws that way. And then it was, you know, working with Stu to build something to have an impact because that's always been you know, a huge part of our life. I mean, it's funny, because I just before I was chatting with you here today, I was just speaking with our financial planner, and we were discussing some things. And, you know, I shared with her again, our big vision of Sue and I like getting to a point where we're giving 95% of our income away has always been a huge goal for us. And, you know, we get closer every year to what we want to do. But it's kind of reminding my planner, like, this is what we want to do. Like I, this is our goal. And this is where we're at. Because you know, money is an amazing tool that we can use to do more good in the world. And and oftentimes, yes, it can be money, but it's also the little things that we do. Like we have the power to make a difference in the words that we say, how we show up for our community and our friends. And in my book, Passion and Purpose, it really is like we can do more good with the things we're passionate about. And, and sometimes that is, yes, all in our, our money. And then it's all how we show up for ourselves as well. And now I feel like I went on a tangent for you. I'm sorry about that. <laughs>
0: No, that is that is exactly what I think a lot of us need to hear. And I think that you kind of mentioned your kids too. It's like these moments, this is where it kind of comes in for me, these moments, these tiny little moments with my kids that I was missing in the day-to-day when I was teaching. And specifically for me, it was around my maternity leave. So here in the U.S., for my first child, I had a six-week six week long maternity leave, um, which was not nearly enough time. And so when I started my business, um, I wanted to start a membership. And that's kind of how I found Stu. I wanted to start a membership for teachers trying to start an online business. And for me, the main motivating factor was the impact, the financial freedom, and then just being able to stay out on maternity leave with my kids and get those day to day moments. And that was really the thing that lit a fire under me. And I can still remember getting ready to um, purchase Stu's course on how to run a membership. And it was like going to be this major investment. And my husband and I, we wanted to have a third baby. And I said to him, I need to make this investment because I can see where I can make that impact. I know there's a little inkling of more here. I just need to do this thing that feels a little risky and then continue following these steps. And I know I'm going to get there, but I can't quite see it yet. And it was in taking that step and just kind of moving forward little by little that I was able to see it through. And, um, it was kind of those motivations. So can you share with us kind of when we have this murky time where we're like, you know, We see that there's a possibility to make more impact, but we don't quite see every step. Do you have any advice on kind of like the first step we can take or the first thing we can do to determine how we're going to follow our passion?
1: Yeah, I would, you know, it's, I mean, like you were just mentioning before, it's just taking a little step. I think oftentimes people think you have to change your whole company or you have to change your whole path. But really, it's, it's just identifying one step that you can do to move forward. So if you've identified your passion or what you want to work on, it's like, how can you put more of that into your life? And that doesn't mean soaking up your whole calendar with it, but maybe being intentional on your calendar and, and putting it on that Monday, you know, Monday afternoon from two to four or 12 to two is your time to focus on that. So I think it's, it's just one step. Because I truly think that once you do one step and you start feeling all those, you know, those good feelings of what you're working on and the excitement, it's like the momentum that builds, right? And then you're like the next week and then it, then it's not overwhelming because you don't have to change everything. It's like pick one thing, put it on your calendar that week, commit to it. You have have, 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 have to commit to it and tell like you to tell your spouse, tell your family like, tell people you to work on it, work on it, then do the next thing. Don't get so far ahead in that you're planning six months down the road or five months. Just start, if you're really in that murky water, with next week. Like, start with one week at a time um, and then lead up to bigger things.
0: What about when things inevitably not only are murky, but are not quite going as we'd hoped. Sometimes we start going toward our passion and we start our business and we go into this online space and we think we're gonna go this way and we start taking steps that way and then all of a sudden it's not working out. How can we stay inspired working yeah. toward our passions?
1: And you know what? This this happened to me. I think it's happened to all of us even several times. Like when I started our nonprofit, like we never had we never had a vision of starting a charity. We just wanted to help people and then one thing led to another that created village impact. But at those very early days of Village Impact, like eight years ago or so, I remember us going over to um, we fundraised our little bit of money and then we went over to Ghana. And we, you know, we had all these intentions of helping and we did and help with the feeding program, help with medical supplies, do this and that and and it was we came back from that trip hugely deflated kind of frustrated because when we were there I felt like we were putting band-aids on everything and then some of the money didn't you know I didn't feel comfortable about where the money was going and it didn't feel good and we came back from that trip and I was just like oh man what are we doing like I don't even I don't even know what we're doing and like what are we trying to create I think so at that point we went back and we went back to the drawing board and we went back to you know those early stages of what we wanted to do. And for us it was all about education. It always has been about, you know, because a gift of education to to anyone is something that people can't take away. The gift of education is a lifetime. And I think I got so excited about doing all these other things that I forgot my real why or I forgot what what I truly wanted to do because of all these other distractions. So we came back and we revisited it and then we went on to Kenya and we built our first school. And I mean, that has grown over time, but I think if you're in that spot, you've got to be okay and give yourself grace that, you know, maybe it didn't work out. And that's not to say that it's not going to happen, but sometimes you might have to take a different route or a different way of getting there. But in that moment of uncertainty, um, just know (laughs) it happens to like everybody all the time. I remember when my, book first came out, the day before it came out, I had an interview and I I did horrible on the interview. I thought I shut my laptop down and I went to bed and I pulled the covers over me and I didn't even wanna leave the hotel room. I was in a hotel. And I was just like, Stu's like, what's wrong? I'm like, no, I'm like, I'm done and I was crying and like I felt like a failure and I'm like, what am I gonna do? This book's coming out. And, you know, we all have those moments, but I think it's important to Go back to why you're doing it or or what was the first reason. It's so easy to get distracted with all these things, but go back to the roots of it or the first thing that you wanted. But then at the same time, know it's okay to change. And while you're in that kind of space, give yourself grace and make sure you have a little bit of a community to surround yourself with. You don't need a huge community. Like all you need are a few friends or an online group that you could connect with. Um, to connect with other people during those times, because, yeah, we all you know, being an entrepreneur and especially transitioning from, you know, teaching into a, an online business can be hard, right? Like my parents still don't really understand what I do or understand what Sue does, because it's so foreign. It is completely different. Um, so it's important why you're going back and rethinking about your next approach or what you're going to do next to also be surrounded with those that are cheering you on.
0: I wrote down, um, uncertainty, be okay with uncertainty, be flexible, and give yourself grace and find your community. I think that is such great advice, because we we have to be okay with not knowing exactly how this is going to go, and then always being able to come back to that why. And possibly even would you suggest like write down your why so that you have something tangible to go back to because you do get off track you're going to get off
1: course yeah and you absolutely like i you know whether it's a picture or a mantra or something you have on your computer just know that it's normal to go off of course right it's you know when we started our nonprofit, like i said we didn't have a big vision for it i didn't even think we were gonna start a full um charity but one thing kind of leads to another and you know, I say this in my book, and I mean others have talked about this too. Where you know, action brings clarity. Like you've got to start somewhere, and how do you know if you're going to like it or you're not going to like it if you don't do it? Um, so you have to you have to continue and just move, and know that it's okay that you might not like the direction. But then the key is, like you mentioned, like you've got to stop and change the direction again because as soon as you start going down a direction that doesn't feel good, but you stay there anyway, it becomes harder and harder to pivot, I think, because you, you make all these connections, and you build something, and then it may not be something that you wanted, and so I think always keeping that why in mind of what's important to you, yeah, giving yourself grace, and know, knowing you will make mistakes, we all make mistakes, no, my, everybody's made mistakes, but some of the best things in life has come from mistakes, has come from going in a different path,
0: Oh, I love that. Everything, some of the best things have come from going a different path. And that speaks to what you were saying before about not following necessarily the normal path. And there's a a section in your book um, where you kind of talk about that, that we all are kind of hardwired to follow our passions. I'm just going to read it because I won't paraphrase it quite as well as you've written it here. If you haven't guessed already, I believe that the desire to serve and do good is pretty much hardwired into our DNA. The problem for most people is that they don't stop to think about how they can make the most difference. Hint, it's not by turning into Mother Teresa unless you actually feel that's your thing. It's by embracing your passion, allowing it to move you toward bigger dreams, and using that passion as a tool to make the world a better place. Can you imagine what the world would be like if we all had this vision? So you're saying that we all have it, but it's really in embracing it and following it and and letting it lead us that makes all the difference.
1: Oh, absolutely. And I think it's to know that, you know, everybody's passion is uniquely different. And everyone's, and and that's the most, that's the most amazing thing about it is that we have, we all have gifts that we can bring to this world with our passions. And like, everybody's different. And it's incredible because everybody's different. We can all bring these things, but I really believe leaving an impactor you know, your purpose in life is fueled through your passions. Like when you think how, you know, when you think about you working on something that you really enjoy, your kids know it, right? They see it because when we're in that passionate mindset or we're doing something that we love, we're bringing out the best version of ourselves. Like my kids know, when, like or my husband would probably know when I have to do some bookkeeping. Like we have people that help us with that, but there's always miscellaneous things in the account that I have to find. I hate it. I I really can't stand it. I don't enjoy it at all. And you can probably tell in my voice like that, like it's, it's not enjoyable, but when I am engaged in doing things that I love with my nonprofit, my Airbnb, whatever it may be, I'm bringing out the best version of, of myself. And that's who I want my kids to see. Like that's who I want to be for my communities. That's who I want to be for my husband. Like I, you know, you want to be those things. And I think, When we're doing something we're passionate about, we can use it to do more good. So whether you're, you know, a painter and it's free painting lessons or, you know, you're an author and you're sharing your book with somebody else in the world. Or, you know, for Stu and I, it's all about travel and experiences and gifting those experiences to loved ones and strangers that, you know, may not have the opportunity to travel somewhere, you know, before COVID (laughs) COVID days. Um, but it's, it's using what you really love to do and then using that to do more good.
0: Oh, so good. And you talk about a legacy. Can you tell us a little bit about leaving our legacy and what that means and looks like?
1: Yeah, for sure. It's, it's, I love that word, but I think some people get afraid of it almost because it's like impact. It's like legacy is, it's a big word, right? But it's also something that um, is so powerful because it's not, you know, a legacy has always been to both Stu and I is not the thing at the end of the day. It's how you create it. So it's like leaving a legacy are all the little things that we choose to do every day that leads to the legacy. And I talk about in the book where, you know, naming a building after someone or, do, you know, naming a building, sorry, is it's great and it's wonderful. And I'm not discounting that at all. But then at the same time, you know, a legacy to me is more than that. It's it's how we make people feel. It's how we show up in our life. And it's all those little things that lead to leaving somebody's legacy. And you don't need to wait to a certain point in your business or a certain time in your life to leave a legacy. You start today. Like you start by how you interact with people today, how you show up for your family, how you show up for your community. Those values and all those little things that you do are your legacy
0: oh that is so great and you're exactly right when we remember uh when we remember people in our lives that made a difference and this comes up in teaching a lot too it's not the big things it's really the little things it's the day-to-day and and I think sometimes even the word passion and purpose and impact it, it's all scary because we have these insecurities in ourselves we have mindset things to work through and these words can feel huge so it's it's interesting that I, I wanted to ask this question first, but I'm kind of glad that I didn't ask it first um, because I want to ask you about village impact, but I also want to remind everybody that, and, and you'll do a better job of this than I do, but just remind everybody that it is in the day to day, that it doesn't need to be this grand thing. Right. But it can be. So tell us about village impact and, and how you, how you ended up there, even though you didn't necessarily know that's where you were going.
1: Yeah. And just to add to what you just said there, it's, you know, I've built Village Impact and it's come, it's rooted in my passion. It's rooted about what I love to do. And like you said, it's, if that's where, if you really follow what you really love to do or what brings enjoyment, you can create amazing things. And, you know, Village Impact truly started from me wanting to do more good with my husband as well, but also, you know, traveling and learning about other cultures and all that kind of good stuff. So if I were to rewind the clock, um, so Village Impact started um after a disgruntled you know, I was sitting on the couch on a Friday night. This is not a big glamorous moment, but it was a Friday night. Stu and I were sitting on the couch. We were watching Oprah's Big Give. Um, do you know that show? Did you watch that show? Yes, I do, yes. Yeah, so when I talk about the book and we're watching Oprah's Big Give. I like loved what she did. And at that time she would go into communities and like transform them and help in so many different ways and, you know, do all these great things for the family and the community. And I remember looking at Stu and I was like, you know, I love that. I'm like, I want to do that. I want to do what Oprah's doing, but I want to do it overseas because that's what I'm truly passionate about. Like I want to go overseas and do what she did. And this was like, the second week of December and she was like, Oh, that's great. It's like, well, when do you want to do it? I'm like, well, Christmas, because like, I'm not waiting till the summer. <laughs> right. And being a teacher at that point, I've got to work with what I had available and Christmas was it. And so we um, did a little online fundraiser. We raised 14,000 Um, I said to Stu, I said, you're really good at the business. So we fundraise the money. I'm like, I'll organize all the details because I just, that's another thing I love to do. So I organized the travel details. We went down to El Salvador. Um, we helped at an orphanage there. Um, we lived with a family up on the mountain and that was a huge part of mine and kind of how I built village impact was you know, we're, we're a nonprofit organization, but we partner with communities on the ground. We partner with the government. We work with other people. And um, li- being in El Salvador, that for that first time, we lived with a family to get to know the community. Now it was only two weeks, but it was all I could do <laughs> at that time. And it, and it was wonderful. And we met the moms in that community. Um, and we had a great time. And it was on that flight back that Sue's like, oh, I get it now. And like okay so then we did another fundraiser and we raised even more money and we took it to Ghana which I shared earlier with them that kind of unfortunate part where I didn't really feel like we knew what we were doing and then we focused in on schools and then you know 10 years later now we're in Kenya and we've built 14 schools and we partner with the government so what I love is we come in and we construct the schools with the community but the, the schools are actually funded through the government. So they supply all the teachers, they supply the principals. And that was a huge thing for Stu and I was, you know, if we were to walk away tomorrow, those schools would still be there. Those kids would still be getting an education. Um, and, and the other big thing is just working with people. You learn so much about yourself. And I learned so much from that community, the communities that we work with um, that, we have, it's more powerful to work together with them to create change. And that's a huge part of Village Impact. So it started on the couch with a glass of wine and ended up like it is here today. But it really was rooted from, you know, my passion and desire of wanting to do more and give back. And then also that kind of desire, learning from other cultures and traveling and and doing that as well. So I kind of morphed what I'm passionate about into Village Impact what is what is created today.
0: We talk a lot um, on this podcast and just in general about how there are all of these experiences that happen throughout your life. And there seems to be a point where you can't understand how they're all going to come together. And it, it, you almost carry it in a guilty way. Like, well, what? how does this experience, how is this really going to add up for me? Or how is this going to pull in to what I'm doing? And then there's this moment where it all comes together and you see these underlying themes. And, and it sounds like for you and for Stu, community and education, it's kind of these underlying like values that you just keep following. And you kind of talk about one way to sort of figure out your passion is the seven levels deep method. Can you talk, talk a little bit about that and how we can use it to figure out how our experiences and passions can come together?
1: Yeah, so I, I learned that from um, Dean Grazioski, who is a big donor from, um, from our charity. And basically, it's like really discovering your why, like that why you are doing something. Because I think oftentimes we live um, – I kind of feel – how can I say this? Like It's like we're – this kind of sounds funny, but bear with me. It's kind of like you're an onion, right? And it's like, you know when you meet people and you get on the surface, you ask questions, and you get all these like surface answers – And then the real answer is like underneath all of these layers. And sometimes to get to that, you know, that deep part or that seventh, seven layers deep is asking yourself why seven times. So for me, it's if someone were to say to me, you know, why do you like traveling so much? Well, I like it because I love um, experiencing other cultures and learning from other people. And then it's like, well, why is that important to you? Well, it's important to me because I want to be you know, a well-rounded human being and so I can be a great mom for my daughter and my son and show them the diversity in the world. It's like, well, why is that important? So it's asking yourself, but why seven times? And it's like peeling back an onion and getting to the real reason. Because I think oftentimes we spend way too much time in the surface and we never allow ourselves to go to the real the real reason or the real reason why you want to leave teaching or the real reason why you want to start a business like and that's different for everybody but you have to get down to your real reason I think to make progress moving forward.
0: Oh my gosh. And sometimes those real reasons, and I think this is kind of what I was talking about earlier with my journey is like some of those real reasons are so tiny when you when you look at them from the day to day. And if I were to kind of peel back the onion of why I started this business, it was like, well it was it was for more financial freedom so that I could just go shopping and not feel so, so stuck to my, you know, what, what was in my paycheck that week. And then it was like, but no, why? Well, it's because I want to make more impact on teachers. And then kind of digging down to these little moments where I'm just watching my daughter eat a donut on a random Wednesday afternoon. (laughs) and It's like, this is my why, this is it really.
1: (laughs) Exactly. And it is, and it's, you know, and I think it, it's, such a great thing to do with people that are close to you or with friends to go that to go that deep because I mean like community is important to Sue and I and then obviously relationships like relationships with our friends and our community and it's when you get to know someone on that level too or that deeper level it just means a more beautiful connection it means you can do more together you can have more impact together and you know when we work with our partner organizations with our nonprofit, like we spend time getting to know them and seeing what their values are and, and things they've done in the past. And like, those are all important. And I think we I think personally, we spend too much time in the surface. It's better when you can go deeper and have deeper connections with people. Anyway. So it's not only
0: not, a, not just important to understand seven layers of your own why, but also of the people around you. Can you talk just a little bit about community and relationships and why and you know, how does that play out in the day to day and why is that so important as we're starting our businesses?
1: Yeah, like relationships, I think, um, and I think Stu talks about this a little more too, and we both believe it wholeheartedly that, you know, relationships are more important than anything else in this world. And um, when I even think like, this is how important relationships are and how they've transformed over time. Like when we did our first fundraiser for our nonprofit 10 years ago, we asked six of our friends at the time who were online entrepreneurs to help with our call. And we did a prediction call. So we, it was December at that time, like I mentioned, and we said to our seven of our friends, can you come online and do, a, it would be a webinar in today's world, but it was a teleseminar, and share you know, your what you think business is going to be like in the next year. And they're like, oh, yeah, no problem. So they came on, they shared their tip or trick for what the next year or thoughts of what the next year would be like, and then people paid to listen to that wisdom and that advice from these seven entrepreneurs. And the um, the wild thing is we raised the money. And then the wild thing is those seven people are still some of our biggest donors today. So seven years later, those same people and other businesses have drastically changed. Probably the, the biggest being, I mean, Russell Brunson's ClickFunnels founder, He, he, we've known him for years and years and years and he's always been on board and he just, they just donated a huge chunk to our charity like two days ago, but he, he's been, it's that relationships that we've had for friends that have kind of morphed into business partnerships. You just never know where relationships will go and where they will take you. And I think life is way more enjoyable when you're, you have healthy relationships and When you're looking out for how you can help other people and, you know, help have an impact in their business or help them in some way and, you know, relationships play a huge part. I mean, even our, we built our first school and the seven donors that donated that first school, they came to Kenya with us. And then the next year, they came back to Kenya with us, all of them. They all bought someone else from their family, and they contributed to our first high school. And again, it's just, I really credit that to just getting to know people and building those relationships and, and enjoying those relationships with people. Like, that's what life's about. It's about creating experiences with loved ones and donors or, you know, people in your business and having an impact with that.
0: I am just sitting back thinking about how I could start doing that today. I mean, Mm -hmm. I think especially with COVID, I don't know that I've been as great with just taking care of some of the relationships I already have or building new ones. Do you have any tangible tips that we could take away and do today, this week to check in and to build relationships and community?
1: Yeah, I would. um, Something that I like to do every Monday morning is, you know, jump on whether it's Facebook or whatever you use to communicate with people. And I just pick five, you know, five people I have, I've thought about maybe or connected with or haven't connected with in a while. And I often I'll just send them a message or say like, I've been thinking about you or send them something that reminded me of you. I actually just sent a message to a an old teacher that I worked with that I haven't spoken to in a couple of years. And, um, I was in her old town on the weekend. So I wanted to just send her a quick message and say, I visited your old town and, you know, and just, but I think it's just taking a moment out of the busynesses of our our lives because we're all, everyone's busy. Right. And, but it's taking a moment just to connect with people and, and build that relationship and spend the time. And really at the end of the day, it's, you know, it's just, once, maybe once a week, every Monday or once a week with what works for you and picking five people and shooting them a DM or, you know, even picking up the phone and having a quick conversation and checking in. And I think, you know, COVID is kind of, you know, life's, all of us have been thrown so many dif- different things in the past year where we've had to pivot in our business or change things personally or homeschooling or whatever it may be that, you know, oftentimes just simply picking up the phone or sending a DM or checking in on someone um, can mean so much to somebody else.
0: I love how how easy that is to do and how easy it is to wrap your mind around because I think when we think about these, we kind of talked about these words, passion and impact and legacy, and they feel so big and all of your self-doubts and all of your mindset stuff comes up and gets in the way. And it's like, just seems as if it's unattainable. But like you said, it's in the day-to-day and it's in these tangible things like checking in on someone that really makes all the difference in moving toward you know, following your passion and in setting up your legacy right now. It's really in what you do today. So I think it would be a great challenge after this podcast. Let me know if you agree, Amy. But I think after this podcast, if we could all just go and check in on five people, this week will be Better already,
1: yeah. And I think you know when you're checking in with people, as you know, you do that. It's what we often find is people they want to be connected with people that are passionate about. Like, how sorry? How can I say this? Like, um, oftentimes, like for your audience, they may be thinking a project they're working on, or they've started to work on this project, and we don't share about it, or we don't um, talk about it enough. But that's the key to creating change. Is also you know, starting to be okay to talk about it because when you talk about those things that you want to do and you have these conversations and relationships with other people, like more people come on board and they want to help you. And like, it's amazing how the universe (laughs) works like that. Like even with our charity, like just people want to do more good and people want to help each other. And we all do. And I think sometimes just by reaching out or having an impact on that person's life. And it's important for us to share with, um, with others, what we're doing as well. Sorry, I, my mind is going all over the place, and I feel like I just burned out of no. My
0: that's actually perfect because I was just going to say I want the one question I feel like I didn't ask you that I wanted to ask you, and I was trying to figure out how to tie it in, but you just really did it there. Is that like sometimes we keep ourselves small, especially on this journey, and especially as teachers, I think because it's kind of drilled into us that like we need to just do what's asked of us and not ask for more or not tell people about these bigger thoughts or dreams. And I think sometimes we keep ourselves small by not telling others about our ideas and the things that we want to do that feel big or off the normal path. But when we talk about it, you're saying, that's when these networking opportunities come up. That's when this starts to all come into place is when we come out of our comfort zone and say what's on our mind.
1: Yeah. Cause it's amazing who comes into your life at those times. Do you know what I mean? Cause I when through yeah. and I started the um, village impact. We didn't share. And we, you know, back in those days we called it world teacher aid and we kind of did it on the side. And I remember um, one of our board of directors came up to us and he was like, Dave, a great friend of ours for many years. And he's like, why don't you ever share what you're doing with oral teacher aid and the schools you're building? And we're like, Oh, I don't want anyone to feel like they have to donate or, you know, it, it just feels like it can be a side thing. And he's like, yeah, but there are people out there that would love to support you and love to encourage you and love to be a part of it. And so we're like, Oh, I don't know. And then we did start sharing it. And it was amazing to see people come out um, and just encourage us and not and donate. Yes. But then also share the word about the nonprofit and want to, to be a part of it, because I think we all want to be a part of doing something good. But how is anybody going to know what you're doing if you don't share about it? And then having, you know, just that support and that encouragement from strangers and different people it just means the world it meant that it still does mean the world to us as we're growing our nonprofit
0: and when we when we're growing our side hustles or like you know our our businesses and we start to bring in money how can we then take that money and put it toward our passion and use it for good are there some ways that we can should we just kind of choose a few causes that we're passionate about? What's the best way to then kind of put that money to good use?
1: Yeah. And that, I mean, that's a great question. And I think it it comes, what I encourage people to do is one, integrate it right from the beginning. Like So for all of our businesses, right from the start, we said, okay, this percentage will always go to a nonprofit of some kind. And I think that's the nonprofit or charity or whatever work that you do. I think comes down to, you know, what you're passionate about and what your values are. And maybe it's something aligned to your business or, um, or maybe it's random every month. Like we, we, we have other causes we contribute to, but then as a family, we give back to, and, and those things are important to Stu and I too, where we get the kids involved and they're involved in picking who we're going to go give back to this month and what activity we're going to do. So I do think putting it in right away um, into your business. So it comes off right from the start. But then second, picking what you're, you know, something that's related to your business, or maybe it's completely random every month. Um, One thing that I know students in the larger businesses, they have every month, they have their staff share a nonprofit that they really believe in. And then everybody on the team watches the Zoom call and watches uh, each person share a charity. And then the whole company votes on who they're going to contribute to. So I think if you have a community, um, even if it's a free community online or a small community, you know, asking them their opinions of where, you know, you think you should donate to this month or getting them involved in it, I think is a really, um, a really great thing. And again, with family too, like on a personal side, getting your kids involved in giving back and picking something um, to donate to each month, I think is really important.
0: So many tangible tips from this podcast episode. This has just been amazing. And I thank you for sharing all of this and your journey. Um, And I want the listeners to figure out where they can connect with you and how they can get your book. So can you share kind of the best places for them to connect?
1: Yeah, so I'm on Instagram a little more out of all the social platforms. And that's Amy Dow McLaren. Um, But then you can also go to amymclaren.com. And that has all of the stuff about my book, passion and purpose, and the other projects I have going on too.
0: Great! Um, I know that we will definitely head over to connect, and I just have to tell you one more thing uh, before we end the episode that I didn't share before we we got on this podcast. But I just have to thank you not only for being on this podcast, but um, and I know you you've made a lot of impact on the world, both you and Stu. But I just wanted to say how much. You both have really impacted my life. I um I could kind of shared in the beginning that I started this journey because I wanted to impact teachers and I wanted to stay home on maternity leave. My husband and I wanted to have a third baby. We had two two toddlers at the time. And we kind of looked at my teaching paycheck and his paycheck as a social worker and realized that we could not afford daycare for three kids. That just was not in the cards for us. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's kind of when I found Stu and and joined his course and took those steps toward my passion, even though it was uncertain and I was really terrified and it was not the norm. Um, But I knew that I wanted to, to have this third baby. And so, just to make a really long story short, we now have that third baby, and I'm home on my second year of maternity leave. All really because of taking that scary step of just following this guy, Stu, <laughs> online that was going to tell me how to have a membership, and here we are today. So, thank you for being on this podcast, and thank you for impacting my life and so many lives around the world.
1: Oh, thank you so much for sharing that, and thank you to you too. Like you've made some amazing choices, and. Such a great role model for your kids. Your kids are lucky to have you.
0: See, that's the other piece. It's just that it's those kids. They are very motivating and you're exactly right that we want to leave them a legacy and really showcase the way that, that we, the things that we value and the way we want to live our lives. So thank you, Amy, for this. This was wonderful. And I'm sure everyone will go out and grab that book. If you're a listener, I have a couple copies to give away. Uh, if you download this month's magazine, you'll find out how you can Uh, win your own copy. And Amy, thanks again. Uh, Thank you so much. Wow. What an incredible episode. These interviews this season are ones to play back again and again and again. Amy's book is an absolute must read, passion to purpose, it goes through her entire journey of moving from teacher to entrepreneur and then her journey toward starting her nonprofit and following her passions. It is an absolute must read. I have, I think, 10 copies sitting here on the other side of my desk that I have to send out to some of you. All you need to do is go to elisamcdonaldcom slash magazine. And inside the magazine, you will find the directions for... Um, Winning a copy of the book, but you can also go and purchase one on Amy's website. I will link all of that in the show notes. But really the biggest takeaways I think from today's episode for us as teachers, although she made it really applicable to teachers, right? Because she was one. So she and, and still is. So she understands kind of where we're coming from. But I think some of the biggest takeaways for me today is just that passion, following your passion feels like this massive thing, this totally intangible thing. And it feels a little like the end game, right? Like the end game is that we that we end up with something that is following our passion, but it's not about the end game is what Amy's saying. It's about the day-to-day choices, the things that we're doing, the way we're living our lives, the way we're stepping into roles that scare us. And all of us are doing this every single day in little ways. By listening to this podcast episode, you've taken a step towards your passion because you are learning about your side hustle. You are learning how to follow your passion. And you are taking these little steps. So that was takeaway number one for me. Takeaway number two was to step outside of your comfort zone. And we didn't get to dig into this idea quite as much as she does in the book, but really getting through some of that mindset stuff and not keeping yourself small, not being afraid to take a path that is not necessarily the norm and not feeling guilty when you do. And for the, any of you that are transitioning out of teaching or you're in a season that's looking very different from it, from the way that it did before, I know that that's really going to resonate because there is so much guilt associated with that change and that shift. And I think that Amy put it perfectly that that following your passion is probably not going to feel normal and it's probably not going to feel comfortable. And that's exactly what we're doing here. We have to follow that even when there's a whole lot of uncertainty, which there will be. And then the third big takeaway for me today was just this idea that finding your passion doesn't need to be a singular path. It's not like one day you wake up and you say, oh, this is my passion. Okay, let me go do it. You have got to just follow these little inklings. And they're not written in stone. They're not going to be these big neon signs. There's, they're these little feelings. These little nudges, these little whispers, and you just keep following them, even when it's uncertain, even when it feels like they're disconnected, even when it feels like your experience that you just had was maybe for nothing, they will come together, but you just need to keep taking those steps, those scary steps and give yourself the grace to explore and surround yourself with community and build these relationships to see yourself through this path, but you will get there. And it's okay to be multi-passionate. It's okay to have more than one passion. Somehow they are all related back to your why and back to your values, which Amy talked about kind of peeling back the onion and figuring out, well, why? Well, what is it really for you? What are these values really for you? With Amy and Stu, it's community, it's education. And that's, I think why I love them so much because I share in those values too. What are those values for you if you keep peeling back. And I think for all of us to kind of get out a piece of journal paper today and peel back those layers and say, what am I passionate about? Well, why am I passionate about that? Why and why and why? And just kind of do some discovery work and then go reach out to some people and go tell others about what you're passionate about. Go on Instagram and make a post about your passion. Even if it feels weird and uncertain and crazy, do it because you never know where it's going to lead. Following my instinct to follow Stu, who was this random guy I found online that I just really felt, you know, was somebody that aligned with me and my values completely changed my life. As you can tell, because I, you know, had to, had to like use my time to tell Amy that, but completely changed my life. I had no idea in the beginning that that was going to happen. And now I can watch my little one. Eat an apple cider donut, which is the darn cutest thing on a Wednesday morning at the park because I'm on maternity leave because of the sky stew that we happened to connect. That's the sort of networking and connections and community building that Amy's talking about is just kind of following those and putting your purpose out there and following and following and following until until you realize one day, and there's no big neon sign that says this, but one day you just look at your little one eating a donut and you say, wow, I am. I'm already living in my passion. It's here. It's in the day to day. Okay. Enjoy your week. Listen to this one again. Share it with your friends. You are doing big, amazing, incredible things beyond the four walls of your classroom. So keep at it. Don't forget to DM me Teacher by teacherbynaptime on Instagram with your listener questions so that I can answer them on the next podcast. And of course, please review this podcast. We so appreciate every review. We will be reading some of the reviews out loud in episodes this season. And so we really need you to please snap a photo, share, review, whatever you can do to spread the word. If you have a teacher friend who's looking to start an online business or grow their online business, please share this podcast. With them if you think they will find it helpful. Hope to see you in the next episode and I hope you enjoy this new format of season three.